Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, and we welcome you to Pentecost, and we will be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21 this morning. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native languages, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome are both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for God's people. Thanks be to God. I've been watching with a heavy heart all the chaos happening from the apparent murder of George Floyd, the African-American man who died in police custody after a white officer knelt on his neck for nine minutes. Watching the heartbreaking video of this man's final moments pleading, I can't breathe, with the crowds around him begging for the officer to get up, I see several moments when the officer could have and should have made a different choice, maybe a compassionate choice, but he kept steady on. Was this racist? I know that there are some of you who would say no, just the police doing their jobs, but as much as those of us in the white population would like to dismiss this as a single act and not related to race in any way, this is, yet again, a wake-up call to the endemic racism in our world. 
George Floyd is only the latest in a long string of similar acts where people of color are treated differently, profiled, and threatened with death or indeed killed, with the determining factor being the color of their skin or their cultural heritage. That is racism. We see it in living color in the death of George Floyd. His death is not just the sin of the officers there that day, but the sin of us all. As a race of white individuals who dismiss or make excuses for these events, and as a nation that does little to make the changes necessary to help recreate our communities into the world we know it should be, a world without racism, without sexism, without genderism, without ageism, without prejudice of any kind. What will it take for us to find this world, the one that God initially created, that God tells us will come again, the world without pain, without suffering, the world with unending joy, peace, and love? Where is this new world, and how do we get there? Today, we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost literally means 50 days. It is 50 days after Easter Sunday. For the Christian community, Pentecost is also known as the birthday of the church. Referring to our passage from Acts 2, we see the birth of Christ's church with the arrival of the promised Holy Spirit coming down on all the disciples gathered in that room that day. Peter, the 11 other apostles, and the other disciples there, both male and female, when suddenly, as our passage says, from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. At the end of the day, after we read that the crowds experience all of the disciples speaking to them in their own languages and hear a speech by Peter, 3,000 were baptized and added to the church as followers of Jesus Christ. From there, those new converts went back to their homes in every place around the known world and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And from this one event, the church began to grow and grow. It's a great story, isn't it? It's a tradition for some of us to make a birthday cake for the church and sing happy birthday. Yet, there's another side to this story that most of us never really consider. See, we get so hyped up on the amazing things that happened because of the arrival of the Holy Spirit on these faithful followers that day, that we don't stop to think about what it might have actually been like for the people in that room where the spirit blew in. Some people think I'm strange, and I have to agree with them on many points, but one of the things I really want to do in my lifetime is see, up close and personal, an actual tornado. Yes, I've seen the destruction that usually comes. Yes, I know it is dangerous, and tornadoes don't care who was in their path. The death can and does happen in the path of a tornado. I've seen videos from storm chasers, from news reports after devastating tornadoes have worn their way through entire communities, and I've cried at the loss of life and property. Yet, I still want to see one. It fascinates me. I want to feel what it's like to have that wind blowing all around you, to see how things just get caught up and disappear in that giant spiral. And 
Watch it dance across the landscape. People who have done just that talk about how fascinating and amazing it was, but also how frightened they were. That it was the scariest thing they had ever faced, like looking death in the eye. So close your eyes for just a moment and imagine that feeling. All that wind and the fear that comes from facing a natural phenomenon like that. Because, you see, I often think that's how it felt to the disciples in that room on Pentecost. Violent wind, our passage says, filled the whole house where they were. Probably no warning whatsoever. The sound of that wind had to be so loud that it hurt their ears. It shook the roof. And they probably thought the whole house would come crashing down on them. And if that wasn't enough, little flames were falling on their heads. No matter how artists have painted or depicted this moment, I think I would have run screaming from the building if fire was landing on my head. Now, maybe they didn't run out of the building, and, but they must have been scared not knowing what was happening, hearing this violent wind and seeing the flames dancing all over the room. Could you be in a room filled with fire and just sit calmly waiting to see what would happen next? Pentecost was not a joyful, gentle, happy birthday party. It was an act of God on the scale of a natural disaster. Like a mother giving birth to a child, the birth of the church came with pain, fear, and joy all mixed together. Now, kind of like a mother usually forgets all the struggle that came with giving birth and only remembers the joy of holding that new life in her arms, we as God's church often forget how the birth of the church came with that same struggle, pain, fear, and joy. See, giving birth to new life has never been a gentle, easy process. Imagine the creation of the world, if you will. God's Spirit, yes, the same Holy Spirit we're talking about today, hovered over the face of the earth. And God spoke the world into being. And it started by separating the light from the dark, then sky from waters, then land from the seas, and so on. And I don't know exactly how everything came together, but I can't imagine it just simply appeared all neat and orderly. But that once the basic elements were there, God moved things around, created out of the materials present. And if we had been there, we would have seen mountains rising up from the seas, volcanoes spreading lava to make islands, oceans being contained, and the natural order was then violent and powerful. See, the world was born with tremendous power. And if the earth had any feeling, a great amount of pain. As the surface of the earth changed in new and amazing ways, God was giving birth to a world where new life could experience the joy of living in it. Then God placed his crowning achievement right smack dab in the middle of the best spot where life could be lived in love in relationship with its creator and in a beautiful, loving relationship 
with their fellow human beings. It was all that we could want the world to be. Yet, sin changed it all. Sin is also a violent act. It changes the one who sins and the ones who suffer the consequences. The first sin was the most violent of all since it ripped all of humanity ever since from the beautiful world and the loving relationship with our creator that we were meant to have. This sin has given birth to individual acts of sin, such as murder, lying, stealing, abuse, and all those things we do that are not loving to God or to each other. But it has also given birth to what we call systemic sin, which includes racism and prejudice of all kinds, cultural ideas of class structure, inequality, wars, poverty, and many other ways that we have maintained those systemic sins that create barriers between us, create an us versus them ideology, and keep us from fully living into the kingdom that God has invited us to live in as his children. If creation is a violent act because it changes everything, then recreation is also a violent act. I love it when I read in the Bible words like Isaiah 43, 18-21. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. See, when I read these words, I am filled with joy because here is God saying that he will take those places of our lives and our world where there seems to be no life and fill it with his life-giving presence. He will take a world where there is nothing but death and the threat of death and recreate it into a world of hope and life. But think about how that will happen. Sometimes God says he will make the way straight by leveling the mountains, filling the valleys, causing streams to rise up out of the ground. And unless you believe in the wiggle your nose and it just appears theory, you have to know that wouldn't happen without earthquakes or floodwaters rising, without the shifting of the landscape in a natural disaster kind of way. For the wild animals and jackals to honor God, all of their animal instincts would have to go utterly changing how they think and how they react. It would not be an easy process on them either. Now you may be saying, well, they're animals, not people. But the truth is that even this passage has layers, and those animals spoken about in this passage probably do refer to people who have no control over their behavior and who have no thought for their fellow human beings or for God. See, God is saying that he will give them new hearts and new minds, hearts full of life-giving love for others, and minds that are compassionate and caring, that they will see the goodness of God and make their way to fulfilling the purposes for which they were created. 
changing both the landscape and people's hearts, their way of thinking, is a process that is hard, it's uncomfortable, maybe even painful, and it takes time. On the day of Pentecost, all of this happened in an instant. Yet the disciples had walked with Jesus and their hearts were already being changed. They already dreamed of a world that Jesus shared with them was possible. But there was more work to be done. And in that moment when the Holy Spirit descended on them, they were changed again, even more. Violent wind, tongues of fire, and they suddenly could speak to people in other languages. And as wonderful as this moment was, it also had to be one of the scariest times of their lives. I know that there have been times in my life when the Spirit changed me. It certainly wasn't as momentous as Pentecost that day, but I felt my heart changed as I found myself more compassionate, more caring about someone's situation, especially in regards to the pain inflicted on them by the ignorance, abuse, or prejudice of others. These changes have not been easy and have come with uncomfortable self-examination that has sometimes been pretty brutal and painful. When I see how my actions have harmed others, when my lack of empathy or my apathy has added to the suffering of someone in need or those being abused, when my instincts for self-preservation and avoiding conflict have kept me from standing up in defense of those being oppressed, then the force of that shame causes me to change from the inside. And I often think about the image God gives to Jeremiah of the potter reworking the clay into a more useful vessel. If you've ever played with clay, you know that it takes force to move that clay to change the shape and mold it into what you want. This is how the Holy Spirit changes us as we walk with God. The Spirit speaks to us, shows us the attitudes and behaviors that, will, that need to change and begins to shape us and the world into the world God wants us to live in. God is recreating the world, one human being at a time. But through that same spirit that lives in each one of us. See, Pentecost was an amazing day when God changed the hearts of so many people and gave birth, yes, with pain and fear, to a church that is the joy of his heart. No one could live through that and not be changed. Yet there were some who did scoff at the whole idea, just like there are still today. Faith is always a choice, and for those who believe it is a choice to live in another world, the one God created for us, the world without pain, without sorrow, and without all the sin that still infects the earth, because sin still has power in this world, there is pain and there is suffering. The only way for God to make a way in this wilderness, to make rivers in this desert, and to bring this new world into being is through God's people. The change starts here, in our hearts. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to Christ, we have to understand that God will change us from the inside and be open and willing to let God make that change, painful and hard as it might be. We can't change what anyone else thinks or does. We can only let God, through the power of the Spirit, change us every day should be our own personal Pentecost. Will we open our hearts to see the sin that lives in us and in the world? Will we hear the hearts of those who are suffering from racism, from oppression, from abuse, and take responsibility for our own participation, whether by our actions or our inaction? Will we trust God? that God is making a way for this new world and that God is using his believers to help make that way? Will we step up and be the voice that admits to our sin and then works to bring healing and justice to our world? In Revelation 21, we read about the world we know will come. And I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Isn't this the world we long for? Pentecost reminds us of this promise, and we will get there, but the journey will be filled with pain and suffering. As God's children, we are called to let the Holy Spirit mold and change us as we work with God to give hope that this is not the way it is supposed to be, that there is a better world in our reach. Through the power of the Spirit, we can bring love to the world and be filled with the joy of seeing it come, even today. But it starts with us. It starts with our own personal Pentecost. Let the Spirit fill you blow through you in a mighty way. Be recreated. It will be uncomfortable. Take a good look at the world and see where God is calling you to change so that the get-together, we can help God recreate the world. Amen. Amen.